A man is not a human being without mercy. Everyone is entitled to their happiness. Men are created equal. Recognize this quotes movie? Stay tuned to find out or check out the title of this episode of Talking Pictures Trivia. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendship alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom and KJ. Additionally, joining us as a guest this week is... Pat. Thanks for joining us. Pat has joined us for... Oh, Pat has joined us for 10 episodes, including Michael Hahn, The Fast and the Furious, and Nosferatu. Pat still conveniently likes movies. For those joining us for the first time... We start off each episode with a movie quiz, as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. In round one, each question is worth one point, and in round two, each question is worth two points. Then, once the fierce competition is over, we follow it up with our famous movie rant, Where Anything Goes. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Today, we are starting to explore movies that defined a director by going back to 1954 in Japan. Yuji Hori, creator of the Dragon Quest series, is born, and the first issue of Chinuchi Sports was published in Nagoya. During all this, Kenji Mizuguchi's movie Sanso the Baliff was released. Mizuguchi started his directing career in 1923 with Ai Yi Hai and directed 99 movies through the year 1956. In 1954, other movies that came out in Japan included the original Godzilla movie and Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. I realized that movies that defined a director is some makes this somewhat a bad pick since this was almost his last movie. It was a very, very much towards the end of his career, but um, it seems to be the movie that traveled the best in the sense that it, it kind of seems to pop up on on um, famous lists and whatnot, lists of a hundred or a thousand great movies, things like that. And so it has a great deal of popularity. The, the plot of the movie actually follows this kind of very old, um, this very old oral tale that was published as a short story in 1915, a children's story uh, by Mori Ogai. And it follows a governor who's lost his position due to extending what looks to be rights or some kind of benefit to peasants. And his children uh, and wife have been cast out. Uh, he's in exile and they are cast out. They end up getting captured. His wife gets sent into prostitution and his children are put on the slave market. They're purchased by uh, Sansu the bailiff, uh, who is a man who runs a, a kind of, uh, I would call it a plantation, but it's a land of, it's a space of like multiple industries that he's running. And during all of this, uh, the children grow up and they have to figure out how to survive in this environment, possibly how to escape and how to keep their humanity despite the deprivation of slavery. Nick. If you had only one word to describe Sansa the Baliff, what would it be? Eventually. KJ? Shinobue. Pat? Dramatizing. <laughs> <laughs> so pleasantly, too. <laughs> and my word would be devotion. It's time for question one. What does the father give to Zuzio before he leaves for exile. Locked in. Locked in. Locked in. All right, KJ, locked in last. What do you have? Um, a small figurine that uh, represented mercy, which uh, was kind of their family motto. Okay, thank you. Uh, Nick, what do you have? It was a container that contained a small statue. All right, and Pat, what do you have? Yeah, I was going to say the statue, Statue of Mercy. 
mm-hmm. issue of the goddess of mercy mm-hmm. very good yeah it was the uh the bodhisattva the goddess of mercy all right and break this question forward to talk about um the main conflict you know the what's going on in the movie the and especially this sort of transcendent idea of mercy that and the way you treat people that carries through you know from obviously from from the beginning to end that also uh, modernizes this this rather uh, old tale and what's interesting is the short story this is based on the children's book it's based on doesn't have any of this no iteration of this of the tale of sancho the bailiff um, features this scene or these scenes with him being exiled for being so good to the peasants or giving um, or or kind of teaching his children these mantras about mercy, although the figurine remains. There is always a, there's usually a figurine in these stories, but I was wondering what people thought of that, that kind of opening and the weird context of putting that kind of modern idea in the, in this older period. I find that intriguing that they made that all up because that seemed to be the major <laughs> theme or plot device throughout this film so i that's the first time i've heard of that so it kind mm-hmm. of caught me off guard when you said that but it doesn't surprise me because at least when and as i said when i was watching it i sort of thought it was going to be a very much like a, a sort of a celebration of an older time that's sort of what it felt like in the beginning mm-hmm. was that it was going to be a celebration of an older time um which it's not um <laughs> but the the, and I remember when they sort of were going through that mercy thing, I thought, well, this is clearly a, a, anachronistic to some mm-hmm. extent. Like just the way that he, the, the, that his father behaves as governor. I mean, I know at least European medieval history pretty well. And that would have been a pretty anachronistic idea to that mm-hmm. extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the same so, thing, Pat, though. It was very like forward thinking. Yeah, it, it was time almost, period. And even just the way that it was sort of spoken, because like I'm, I'm actually reading for a, a, like a medieval epic, like a Norwegian medieval epic. And there is sort of like a character who's kind of like that, like he's kind to his peasants, but he's still like, you have to do your, you know, like they still mm-hmm. have to do their duties, they'll do their things at the end of the day. And so this governor did strike me as sort of like, well, this is somewhat anachronistic. So it is interesting to hear that because that makes sense. And in some ways, my guess is the theme was there. It's just the film makes it very explicit. But that's that would be my guess, especially if they have like this statue of the goddess of mercy. It's implied that that's supposed to be partly there. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was very explicit as to sort of what the the theme was, which did seem anachronistic. Yeah, it's, it seems to go to the point you made uh last week when we were doing first impressions of this kind of like it it coming out after World War II. Uh, makes a lot of sense. And it coming out kind of before the the miracle of the 1960s that occurred in Japan, where there's this kind of like, treat your workers well, and we'll have economic success. And it, I don't know if their economic success in the 60s was a credit to that, but that sort of thing was in the air, um, kind of speaks to this as a, you know, very much a uh, using the past to sort of figure the present type situation what struck me is that there's at least a few and i can't even remember exactly what the phrases were but there was a few phrases that they used that i thought if these sound very american phrases and that was why i was thinking from it and i can't you know maybe you've probably more familiar with it but at least there was a number of phrases that struck me as very um American, and I thought they must that they must have taken. Yeah, the all men are created equal. equal like, yeah, they clearly took this mm-hmm. from sort of occupation stuff, which which is fascinating stuff that this is being leaked into a medieval feudal epic. Like, or it, it's a really weird thing going on. Yeah, really cool. and it's also a Japanese. It's it's also a Japanese oral tradition epic that just that itself is handed down. I mean, the the, the story itself is it's like 500 years old if not older like it was really popular in the in like the early 17th century so the fact that they're using this like japanese thing to make and kind of fusing it with these sort of i guess we could think of as western ideas of individual rights is really interesting since none of us are fluent in japanese do you think that was also due to translation or Uh, would have read that way in japanese I can't imagine it would translate 
so differently as to not mean all men are created equal, like something along those lines. You know, and I, mean? I think Criterion would have fixed that if it was relatively mm -hmm. mistranslated. Yeah. I agree, though. Some of those lines were very like Western, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So, Tom, did you did you get a chance to actually uh, either read or find the original tale? Do we know what the moral was in the original tale? Was it mercy and they just punctuated it in the film or? Yeah, so it's the I mean, it's a little hard to say because the original is is oral. So it's not anywhere. Um, there is a. A the older version that somebody recorded, recorded by an anthropologist, um, which I I want to say is like 1603, something like that. And um, in that, it really, really, I don't know if it's mercy. The, the original, original tale, so the oldest version they have is um, only, it only has the, the female character. Um, Sanso is there, but he's sort of an infant and, and Anju is the person of interest. And she's fighting a version of Sanso, but he's her father and he's torturing her on a mountain. And it's all about how she transcended being tortured to become a goddess of the mountain. Uh, and so- Sounds like pretty much the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine yeah. if you woke up to that, Pat. <laughs> yeah. Was there a one ring to rule them all or <laughs> yeah. It's time for question two. How much do the children cost? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in, but I have no idea. Well, you got to go. What do you got? Um, for Rio. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Nick, what do you got? 300 Japanese units, whatever the units were. Okay. And Pat, what do you have? Four and a half silver pieces each. Eight if you buy both, but Sancho buys them for seven. Oh, okay. So I'll give Pat the points because wow. yeah, it was seven <laughs> silver pieces. Yeah, very good. All right. So um, let's talk about the 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 slavery, the um, things that lead up to the slavery and what happened to and uh, and our our title character himself, Sancho. Do you mean when the priestess came to their rescue in the woods? She's like, oh yeah, make sure. Are there any other men with you? Oh no, I, I can't hold men. That's but as long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not not to be the guy who who did the extra credit reading, but in the in the book um, that the you know the the children's book and in other editions of this, it's actually a sailor who comes, and uh, the director deliberately changed it to a female priest, um, and so you know the the kind of his relationship to religion in this, I think is also very interesting and, and more complicated than like the earlier editions. Um, yeah, but that, that, that I thought was an interesting change to make it a priest instead of just like some guy uh, seems, seems pretty telling. That's uh, even more of a betrayal because you're expected, like they trust her mm -hmm. because of her connection with the higher yeah. being. And she just turns, she, she's working with the bandits. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's it. There isn't, I think, a lot of um, a lot of respect for the the religious institutions in this. Uh, you know, even the uh, even the the son who leaves, um, he, you know, he doesn't really want to. He doesn't really help anybody, right? Like the the temple is willing to take people in. Um, but you don't get the impression that they are particularly active in pushing against this this institution that that Sancho is benefiting from, um, you know. And I wouldn't have thought about that until learning about how he deliberately made that change. And I thought, well, that's pretty compelling, actually. They are given their authority by the. Um, uh, I guess is it an emperor? I don't remember the yeah, it's body. it's an emperor. So the the way yeah. the authority works, it's sort of under the the temples are under the protection of the emperor. It seems fairly republican in the in the sense of uh, there's a decentralized power structure, but it seems like the temples for the most part fall under the the protection or are the property of the emperor they seem to be sponsored by and that's why yeah. when, like sancho's people came there they're like hey 
You know who you know who was in charge of this? It's the yeah. emperor. So mm-hmm. get out of here. Yeah. I mean, that's fairly feudal, though, isn't it? I mean, I guess it's mm-hmm. not. It's not. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty feudal in the sense. Yeah. That, yeah. But, yeah. Not Republican. Sorry, feudal. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah. I mean, there there is an interesting thing going on because. Again, I had no, I did not know what was going to happen. So it, the the selling into slavery part was a bit of a shock. Um, <laughs> harsh. It was harsh. Yeah. yeah, it's a harsh scene. And mm. at first I didn't realize because they have the other servant. I think it's the servant who gets thrown into the water and drowns. Mm. I thought that was the mother at first. I thought she drowned. I didn't realize it was the uh, the servant that had drowned. So there is a, it's a, it's a, yeah, there's just a lot of that's a difficult scene. I thought they were going to try to ransom them because they were wealthy people. Yeah, I thought it was something like that, that it was either enemies of their father or something along those lines. Um, that, that was what I thought was going on. But obviously, I was not correct. But mm-hmm. So they made an animated movie based on this movie mm-hmm. a few years later. And uh, I watched it, but unfortunately, the only version I could find was the one released in the U.S., which had seven minutes cut. So in the version I watched, the kids did not become slaves. But I don't know if that was seven minutes cut, right? If that if the U.S. Is, wasn't ready what they be? How, 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 what, how do you write? Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's like a big part plot. of the film. Yeah, do, well, they, so, do they go onto a mountain and become gobs? No, no, there's uh, no mountains, I don't think. Um they get on the boats. It's Japan. How are there yeah. no boats? <laughs> <laughs> they get on the boats. And um, after the kids get off the boats, mermaids come and drown the the, the, the slavers that are mm-hmm. on the boats. There's a lot of animals singing and stuff in this version. Um, and then they kind of cut to the kids walking around. And then eventually they just cut to like the kids fighting Sancho and uh, Zushio getting free. Mm-hmm. So oh. but there's there was no hard work or late well there was, a, there was a quick scene of hard labor but there was definitely no why were they labor. fighting sancho then sancho was kind of innocent no did sancho no, have no, his mother? mother went on a different boat they're just that, they're sorry. just fighting sometimes? i think i just made a new edit to make it actually work but <laughs> yeah that's so mm-hmm. i don't know if it was cut and that's why it didn't make sense or yeah i'm not sure mm-hmm. do we know it was it in was the slavery in the original um uh oral version it, it varies so <laughs> again the, the 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 homework pays off is the the sancho his name yeah. <laughs> uh sancho uh, look who's talking yeah sancho the uh <laughs> the, the name um actually comes from sanjo sanjo is what it means is not original and that was a place in feudal japan where um, it was kind of, let's say, if there's a temple, the Sanjo would be like an imitation of that. They would have some of the powers, but wouldn't be that place. And um, like lepers and non-desirables would go there for protection or food, uh, but consequently were treated rather poorly. They're treated quite harshly. And so the belief is that the, the story of slavery and why his name is Sancho is that that's etymologically connected to the Sanjo, these places where people were traded, uh, treated as if they were cattle. Um, in terms of actual the history of slavery in the 11th century, that's I think where you, you began to see, I'm sorry, the 10th century and, and forward, um, this is the Haiyan period, H-A-E-A-N, if I'm saying that correctly, and um, what you saw there was Japan modeling the Tang Dynasty of China uh, divided up classes and whatnot. And there was a lower class and that had five subclasses. And the bottom two classes, about 10% of the population were slaves. Um, and so, yeah, slavery was kind of uh, part of the book and it's part of a lot of these oral traditions. And it seems like it's directly connected to this period when people were treated either directly as slaves or, or almost as slaves. At the end of round one, we have Pat in the lead with two points and Nick and KJ are right behind tied with one. We will see you after these messages. Hello and, and welcome, back, welcome back, to back to B-Side. To B-Side. Finally, 
It is B-Side. Today we're going to be talking about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We're going to be discussing the famous W.F. Murnau film from 1927, Sunrise. The Icelandic movie from 2015, Rams. Juzo Itami's 1985 picture, Tam Popo. And today I'm going to be talking about a good old film that we just covered, and this is 1984's Ghostbusters. Talking Pictures Trivia B-Side, wherever you listen to Talking Pictures Trivia. And we're back. Pat, we're at the critical point of our episode where we ask the guest a key question. If you could write your own sequel for Sancho the Bailiff, what would be the plot? This movie should not should not be remade. <laughs> not a sequel. This would be like as I watched this movie, the thing that came to my mind was this is like Requiem for a Dream. This would be like having a sequel for Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> like it would be horrible. This is a this is the feudal version of of Requiem for a Dream. You can't make a you can't make a sequel. You're not even gonna try. Um, I mean, I mean, of course you have to try. It's, it's, you know, it's Hollywood. You gotta, you gotta make money. Um, so, so if you're gonna, if you're gonna it's Hollywood. That's. It's, 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 I mean, I'm assuming this is if we're making a sequel to this oh, movie, it's clearly made... Hollywood that's doing it. I got gotcha. so Yeah, yeah. No one else would make a sequel to this film. Mm um so if if hollywood is doing it because my big question is what act you know because they sort of send sancho off at the end but what actually sort of happens to him so i could totally see a new a new version of this where sancho rebuilds his his slave empire and um they have to come back with the blind mother and you know, there, there's going to be something. Somehow, the blind mother is going is going to have like you know some impossible shot. You know, she's going to have like a bow shot, or like she's she's probably going to be the one who kills Sancho at the end <laughs> um, with some sort of like you know like spiritual psychic you know spear shot through the air, and she will she will kill Sancho. So that's that's mm-hmm. what I'm going to go with for now. It's going to be a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she doesn't know Sancho, right? This is her introduction to him. Yeah, but Sancho... She doesn't need to know him anyway. Hold on. I got this. (laughs) Sancho led to the death of her daughter. Okay? Ah, The imprisonment and all of those years of torment for her son. So she's been building up all these resentments. It's like Death Wish. That's the sequel. It's Sancho the Bailiff, Death Witch. Are we going to call it Tamaki the Bailiff? I was going to say oh, that's I was going to oh. get because I do. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. She sort of becomes, it's like, it's like gone with the wind where she's like, I will never be hungry again. And so she, <laughs> she, she, she <laughs> horrible empire. While you were thinking about the answer to this, I, I was thinking what I would say for a, t- a potential plot. For it's a, probably a, a better answer than the one I get. <laughs> no, I mean it's a bit of a cop out, but you can always do a prequel on Sancho. Like, how did he become uh, like this? Maybe he started off with this other kind of thoughts about treating people right, and somehow things happen to him where he's like, "Forget that! I'm going to be this guy and have all these people and be selfish." So maybe his fall from grace into what he became. Uh, and he was like, I'm going to grow a beard that makes me look like Pinhead. And then I'm going to go and... Better call Sancho. Anyone else have any thoughts? I mean, I just, I, it's, it's a I, tough one because you're right. Is, this is not meant to have a sequel. I, But I think that Quentin Tarantino would be a great choice for Pat's sequel. <laughs> I can, Can't you see the blind mother just killing all of the guards in, in Sancho? People flying at weird angles that yeah. physics would not allow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, exactly. if, it, if, it, if, it, if it worked for Daredevil, it could work for, for this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a lot of foot focus, I think that would be that would be part of it. If it's Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. I, I would have wanted to follow the father and just have like a political drama of him trying to defend himself mm-hmm. with whatever his his. I actually was. did re- kind of not. I missed not having more of the father. Yeah, I actually really liked him. Mm. I really wanted more of him. I wanted to know what he was doing in exile. I mean, mm. at least with the mother, you because with the mother, you got only the very brief clip of her as to what was going on during her 
enslavement and then you get her at the very end but with the father you got nothing so i was like mm. what did he do for all these years i was actually legitimately curious and sort of disappointed they didn't do it i guess it wouldn't have added much time <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eventually. i don't know i was curious but yeah that that would have been interesting because apparently the island he was sent to was like at the southernmost island of japan at that time and they're they're like it's basically too far away to come back from you know like this is there's nothing down physically there. and mentally <laughs> it's time for question three who sends sancho's men away at the temple locked in Locked in. Locked in. All right, KJ, what do you have? Trying to remember the timeline, but I'm going to say Sancho's son. Yeah, same. I think it's Sancho's son. It's Taro. And Nick, what do you have? Obviously, it was a monk. Give, give, give any more detail there? No, I don't. <laughs> okay, very good. So it was... Sancho's son, Tano. Oh, I didn't get that. I just, yeah. Did we know that? Like, we just had to figure it out. Like, did you no, say his name? You know his name, and it's the same actor. And Okay. He recognizes the boy. Oh, okay. He, he I, made... I didn't know that, because I was actually completely baffled as to why this priest was so much talking to him until I looked mm. it up later and was like, yeah, I, I didn't get that, that was the from the flow. son. I, I didn't. I did not recognize him. Did you KJ on first watch? Yes, I did. Um, okay, but it, it was confusing because again, the timeline. I'm trying to remember when that happened, right? Because he was he was at the slave camp and then he was at the temple, and they don't show the transition. They just show that he's not a good slaver. Yeah, the last thing Taro does is he puts the hay over the children. And then he says, try and try and be safe. And then you see him leave and he's going at the fence and they're like, where are you going? He's like, it's none of your business. And you, you yeah, know, I remember that, that, but I don't, mm -hmm. I never made the connection that that was the guy in the monastery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the same. Cause he also gives them their names, right? There's this idea of uh, like, oh crap, these people are royal. Like he knows based upon uh, this I actually had to look up, but based upon the way they speak, the way they their register, he that says that though he says you don't speak oh, like a peasant. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But it's just um, it's just they use the word like father or something, and that yeah. triggers them. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and that that apparently is a specific Japanese word. Like you, you, if you were a peasant, you would use this word. I don't remember what the word. I was, totally um, missed that he was the guy in yeah. the monastery. I have no idea how I missed that. Yeah, but uh, and he renames them, which is also a different thing. In the book, uh, Sancho renames them um, and gives them different names. Uh, and in the book, it's also he's gone already. Like he's Taro has already left. Um, but I, I again another change, and I thought that was interesting. And I thought his role relative to this kind of theme of mercy and his cross between being actually on the the quote-unquote plantation on, on the work area and also being in the temple. Um, I thought all of that was interesting. So I was wondering what people thought of, of that character. I thought just because when they sort of do the 10 years later, because mm. um, I was wondering, I'm like, oh, where is he? Where is he at this point? Because he he is sort of the, the interesting character that they introduced, especially early on. Um, and he wasn't there. So I was mm -hmm. completely baffled. And that was actually partially why, like, after I watched the movie, I'm like, whatever happened to him? Mm -hmm. They just dropped him entirely. And then I was like, oh, he was the guy. Terrible. <laughs> I did not, I did not notice that. Because mm -hmm. he's dressed entirely differently. He doesn't talk even remotely the same. Like, mm -hmm. everything about him is very, 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 very different. So that's why I didn't get it at least i felt like but there is a fascinating thing about that that he mm -hmm. does actually choose to leave which i guess to to your point tom which i think is you know you're talking about sort of religion in the beginning that he is an interesting sort of like he's the anti of the priestess in the beginning where you know he actually does at least help them um and there is an interesting aspect at least of religion throughout because one of the other things i thought was fascinating is the fact that he goes to each location in order to sort of you know where, where each of his um 
family members dies in order to pray for them. So he goes to the father where the father is buried. Mm-hmm. And sort of there's a there's a number of peasants sort of talking about the fact mm-hmm. that they're like, well, you know, what a good, what a good, dutiful son. And then he obviously goes to where his sister died. And then he goes actually when he finds out that his mother is dead and he says, OK, well, I have to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have to go pray where she died. And he goes. And that's the only reason he finds her mm-hmm. is because he actually chose to you know, follow his, his faith and his religion. If he doesn't do that, he never finds his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually an interesting element of that, which there certainly is an, an indication of a, of a distrust of authoritative religion, but there mm-hmm. is sort of an aspect that without it, he doesn't get ultimately mm-hmm. at the end what he wants. If he doesn't actually follow what he thinks is his faith, he doesn't actually, he, he loses, he will, he will not find his mother. Yeah. He, would have, he would have left the island. So there is an interesting aspect to that as well. Where mm. I think the, the, the way that religion is treated in the film is very interesting. But going back to Sancho's son, he tells them to do whatever they can to survive. Then they jump 10 years. He doesn't do anything to help them for 10 years and he disappears. And really, he only comes back in when the guy stumbles into the monastery, which I clearly missed. So... What did he really do aside from after the fact when they already took it upon their own selves to make a change to help them? That's a really interesting point because you're right. He, he doesn't actually do anything. I guess he, from a plot perspective, he sets him, he sets them up to help him in the future, but you're right. He does nothing for 10 years. He's totally abjectly worth. He's totally abjectly yeah. worthless to them during that 10 year period, which I hadn't thought of because in my <laughs> head, I thought he'd been helping them for 10 years until <laughs> I finished the movie and looked it up on Wikipedia that he'd been in the temple though. <laughs> he was praying for them. Yeah. There's this interesting kind of like dance between um between like do you sort of follow this kind of universal piety of the religion um do you which is connected to like ancestor worship and kind of you know as you're saying pat the kind of respect for your parents and looking after your parents the kind of filial piety that's built in there and i don't think the movie is like strongly in one direction or the other because i think it is um i think the changes made from the script to the book uh are to show taro are showing Taro as not doing something, right? In the book, he's already gone. He doesn't know who these kids are. He's not, he's, he's left by the time they get there. But by having him there and also by having him not do anything, that's some, somewhat con- condemning. But like to your point, Pat, like if he doesn't go to honor her, he never finds her. And one of the, there was actually a change from what was shot and then the script and the scene where he goes to his father and the peasants are like, what a dutiful son, blah, blah, blah. That is not in the original script. I think the script was published in the same year and it was just, um, it wasn't there. He added that in on the fly. And so there is, I think, a kind of live tension there, an aporia between like how effective is this kind of religious faith? You know, it, it both it both has it's both limited in what it can do, but it also clearly is what leads him back home in a sense. It's time for question four. What is Zuccio's mother's job at the end of the film? Locked in? Locked in. Locked in, but I have no idea. I think this is going to Pat. All right. Well, what do you, what's your guess? Um, she has to sweep the little area that she's sitting in. She has to sing a very sad song over and over again while the, while the guy on the shore farms seaweed. Yeah, I didn't actually know entirely what she was doing. Yeah, she had, the, <laughs> she had the little broom and she was just whacking it on the ground. I didn't realize that was a job. I thought that was just a, <laughs> mm. that was just a tick. Um, <laughs> but she's, she's, hitting, she's hitting some sort of object with a mm. reed on the beach, but I didn't know what she was actually yeah. doing. Was okay. her job only displayed in the book, Tom? No, that, that's supposed to be a job. It's supposed to be she is a, uh, a scarecrow. She's supposed to scare away the birds from... <laughs> really? Oh, I didn't yeah. get that at all. Oh, I had see, we no had idea what she was doing. <laughs> I had no idea what she was doing. <laughs> 
How about, you want to do a, a different question since no one got that? Um, no, it's okay. Yeah, it's a little unfair to Pat because Pat, as long won. as I win. Yeah, he won. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can no, do another no question. Do another well, question. That's no fun. Let's just for fun. Um, Let's have it be a real yeah. challenge. Yeah. yeah, let's see. The um, Who wants to win because the other guy missed the buzzer shot? You want to get the buzzer shot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a better, yeah. that's a better win. So here, well, let's make this a three pointer while we're at it, too. Let's, right? Okay, whatever. Sure. Um, here's a good question it's time for question four. What does Anju tell the old woman who's dying in the woods to do? Got it. Locked in. Locked in? I'm going to lock in. <laughs> okay. What do you have, Nick? I think it was something about like, don't let them hear you yell or not making a lot of noise. Okay. JJ, what do you have? Hold the rope. <laughs> Pat, what do you have? Don't let go. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, she tells her to be reincarnated as a, as a rich person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To be reincarnated in a good, like resurrecting a good family. Yep. That's Is, it. Does Andrew tell her to do that or the other old woman? I thought Andrew told gate. her. No, it's definitely Andrew. She definitely yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I can't verify. Because I thought I. it was only Anjou. Um, She's the only one that goes with her, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was the siblings and then there's a guard. Uh, the old woman at the gate doesn't leave, right? She get, ends up agreeing to get tied up. Right. She screams, come back as a rich person. No. No. She uh, Anjou says that to her, like, as she's giving her the rope. Okay. Okay. Well, you, you, I feel reasonable. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really, what I wanted to do was talk about the ending, not about um, to be resurrected as a good person or not. Um, and that, yeah, what we thought of that ending, what you guys thought of that ending. It had great symmetry, right? The movie starts mm -hmm. with the family yep. and the mom, mm -hmm. they get split up and then it kind of comes back together. So it had good symmetry. Um, yeah, good symmetry. Yeah, <laughs> and it's actually the the shot at the end moving left is supposed to echo a shot in the beginning of the movie, moving to the right. Um, you know, so there, there is there actually is this kind of sense of of parallel shots going back and forth that are apparently planted in the uh, planted in the movie. Uh, and so, you know, you keep rewatching it, you kind of see these parallels, like the building of the shelter is another one where when they're on the, you know, that type of thing is is another parallel he does and the branch when they pull the branch i guess that's that is mm -hmm. the building in the shelter that yeah branch pull down when they do that together yep yeah yeah so it's always you know that that kind of stuff is uh is throughout the movie it is very parallel the the issue that i sort of had is number one he fairly quickly goes from being a a guy who brands an old man in the head to being a man who says who literally the only thing it took was basically them breaking that branch together and mm. saying, wasn't this like the time that we did this? It, it, it felt very, that felt like a very artificial turn. Mm. Um, again, having knowing, knowing nothing about it, I assumed it was like, Oh, is he going to like kill Sancho and become Sancho the bailiff? Mm. Kind of what I assumed was going to happen at that point, the way that, that it seemed, that seemed to have been a much more natural progression than what ended up happening. Um, so I did, I did have issues with that sort of transition. The other issue I had with the transition was I wasn't, I didn't totally get why he gave up being governor because they sort of say that it's like, oh, I gave up being governor so that I could follow father's advice. And I was like, well, I understand why you freed the slaves, but effectively you freed them and then left, which means the next dude's just going to undo it. Mm. Like it just, it felt like a very sort of kind of weird solution to that problem i think he would have been killed almost immediately if he had remained governor because he went against the guy that ordained him right the yeah, guy that ordained him, like very directly said don't do this so like, i think i'm gonna was, do it anyway right yeah <laughs> i think he was protecting himself in some strange honorable way like they couldn't kill him anymore because he was governor fair enough fair enough. yeah my understanding when i i looked that up was that if you defy the emperor, that's kind of what you do. Like, it's like, you can defy the emperor once and then, then you I have quit. to retire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you sort of have to- Screw you, you know, emperor, I quit. Yeah, you have to, you kind of have to resign, right? It's it's like, 
yeah, that, that, that seems to be the tradition, sense. kind of. Yeah, that I mean, makes it, it that makes sense. I guess I just didn't understand why they couldn't just the next emperor or next next governor couldn't just, just undo it. Couldn't yeah. just undo it mm-hmm. because that was, I guess, what I again. It almost seemed like, and I, I don't know the conventions of this particular type of story. That might just be the way that this particular type of story works. But mm-hmm. the the way that the story felt was just like you you made a t- it was sort of you made a temporary victory that's a that's very rapidly going to be undone so effectively mm-hmm. you did nothing other than make yourself feel better mm-hmm. i i did have an issue with that particular aspect of it but that's not the way the film wants you to read it very mm-hmm. clearly so it's sort of like well i guess i have to ignore that because that's not the way the film is teaching me to read this yeah i i wonder though in you saying this if that if it's like supposed to be this this victory because even when the the slaves get free, like it immediately turns into kind of like they're burning things down. Yeah, and, and that things. was that was going to be my that was going to be my movie rant kind of oh. point, mm-hmm. which which we can talk about now. We could go into it. Should we just yeah. introduce movie rant? Well, well, hang on, guys, because I almost have the answer. Um, so let me let me at least text you this. Am I wrong? Yeah, uh. The Unless it's yes. repeated, I haven't gotten there yet. So the old lady definitely says it from the fence. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And now oh, I'm just. But I could have sworn she said not being reincarnated to a good family. I could have sworn that she says be reincarnated to a rich family. Well, that's the second screenshot I just sent. Uh, okay. I just oh. could have sworn that this that so, she so said it to her too. I'm gonna send you guys one more screenshot. <laughs> You're like I could have sworn she it. asked her. Here is what Anju says to the lady. I could have sworn Anju said it too. Hold the rope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Oh, KJ wins. wins. Very good. Oh, we literally um. had to see the videotape. Yeah, it was down to the, the buzzer. <laughs> oh. Oh, looks like KJ has it. Oh. Woo. Very good. We literally had to get the ref in to view the tape. Yeah. 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 Uh, audience at home, I'll just describe these screenshots for you real quick. I was a little confused about Tom's answer and mm-hmm. the results. So I went back and there's a screenshot of the lady that they didn't let leave start screaming about uh, being born into a good family. And then I got real lucky. I remembered the rope, but the actual subtitle uh, is Andrew saying, hold it tight, referring to the rope. It's time for Movie Rant. Why is this movie called Sancho the Bailiff? The one thing is it's it's the connection to history, right? This is, that's like the name that kind of gets carried down and you can you can adapt it to different, to different media by virtue of people recognizing that. Um, I think it's also like, it's about cruelty and mercy and he is the most binary character in the sense of that he kind of embodies the entire one side of that spectrum more than anyone else. Um, you know, I mean, we can make the argument that Anjou is, is the most merciful person there, but she's also has almost no agency, right? So Sancho seems to have both the agency as well as he he's, has that kind of Manichaean evil uh, there. So th- that would be my reason why it's it's named for the bailiff the reason for my question is because he is not the main person we're focused on yet the title is focused on him i i thought it was for that exact reason because okay the the, you know the the easiest way to always answer these questions is okay what what if it was called something else what if it's Mm -hmm. called anju what if it's called something else okay what does that immediately do to sancho the bailiff he's he's just a caricature like he's he's literally just he he's just he's a plot device to sit there on his throne drinking sake yelling at people like that's all that's it is his entire function he doesn't do anything else and so he's incredibly easy to write off mm-hmm. he just becomes the guy that you can just be like well that's just the evil guy let's focus mm-hmm. on how the good guy won mm-hmm. but if you name it sancho the bailiff he you 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 can't do that anymore you have to consider him as as a as a integral part of the film and the world that it's depicting he can no longer be 
the you know the white witch he can no longer be this sort of person that's just pure evil you have to you have to give him his due i think that's why you do it because Mm -hmm. if you don't he's gone it's easy to dismiss him and that's not what the film wants you to do the film does Mm -hmm. not want you to dismiss him yeah that's what i thought it was yeah i think that makes a lot of sense yeah i i agree Mm -hmm. it also made me think of another sequel sancho the ski lift and he had to like bring people up the mountain back then and then they came back down <laughs> that's how he made his fortune <laughs> I, I i was thinking when we were when we were going to do our one word things i was going to be like hilarious and then be like i thought it was sancho panza i watched, <laughs> I watched a version of don quixote what did you okay. guys watch I find this to be a really interesting scene. And this is another one of those things where I'm like, I'm not quite sure what the film is trying to tell us is the scene after they're freed and they show, you know, Sancho the bailiff's house. And there's this, this Bacchanalian thing going on. And then they literally burn that house down and there's obviously like you could read it as well great they burned that house to the ground but there's also this thing of like which i again i can't tell how the film wants you to read it because there's almost this aspect of like these people were given freedom and they've they're using it very badly Mm -hmm. in that scene like it's just like this is just them destroy (laughs) destroying everything instead of taking it over and using it and building new things or whatever they want to go do like this is going to end so ultimately the question is this is going to probably end very poorly for those people no matter what happens they're probably not going to do well in this world so there's there's sort of a question that gets raised about that and i and i don't think the film is offering an answer either way but it's a really problematic scene i think Mm -hmm. and it totally it's not it's not the it's not the death star going off in the ewoks dancing under fireworks that's not what happens at the end of the film it's really you realize they ate some of those stormtroopers okay that's a tangent yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well they were going to eat the people clearly we've established that the ewoks are cannibals this is not like well they don't need other ewoks <laughs> they don't need i suppose it's true they're not cannibals but they are they clearly will eat you know sentient beings, <laughs> beings yeah. we, you know, this is this, this the moon of endor is not a place you want to get yeah. <laughs> so another interesting thing about that scene is while the house is burning and zushio is looking out the his uh Udamente guy his helper guy it says oh like don't worry sancho and his family got out like they wanted to make mm-hmm. it clear that they weren't killing sancho with this act mm-hmm. they were just burning down the mm-hmm. slave camp or his house or whatever you want to say it doesn't make the scene any better i just yeah i just thought what what it what it reminded me of is is a, is i was reading a short story recently it's Turgenev short story called the singing contest and uh-huh. the, you know basically there's like a contest that goes on between these two singers and it's supposed to be this moment where these like it's you know it's supposed to be Turgenev in like the countryside with like it's a russian story with these peasants and this kind of thing and they they witness this beautiful contest between two incredibly talented singers and they choose a winner from them and then the consequences of this beautiful outpouring is the entire village gets blackout drunk and starts trashing stuff. And it's like, is this whole thing where it's basically like they can't handle the fact of like the, the wonderful thing that's happened to them and they just start destroying stuff. Um, and, and it, you know, it, it reminded me of the ending of that scene where it was just like, if you cut that scene, you assume that everything goes great for everybody. And if you add that scene, it's like, I don't think it goes well for them after they're free. Like, I don't think mm. it does. I, and I don't know what the film's telling me. I don't, I don't know. Going back to KJ's comment about Sancho and his family getting out, keep in mind, we're, we're talking about Sancho as he's a villain, a slave owner and all that. But in his mind and in his world, he is a highly respected person. The emperor's governors applaud him for how productive his property is and wishes that other people could do that. So he's in high praise. So when they say, Oh, he's okay. He got away. I mean, it's, it's, it's not necessarily about him there because he thinks he's doing well in this world. He doesn't see these things as crimes against humanity, which is crazy to us, the audience, but a different way of how he views his place in this world. 
it seems like I think just taking all this this in that you get to the end of this movie and maybe not that much has actually changed, right? Because I think to Pat's point too of like, well, he, you know, he he resigns his post because he went against the emperor's wishes. And it seems like Sancho isn't coming back. I, I think that guy's gone, but you, you know, the, probably another Sancho waiting in the wings and all the people who were slaves don't seem to be acting particularly responsibly. And, you know, and then the movie also ends with him like, with the blind woman on a beach and he, he seems not to have anything and she certainly doesn't have anything, you know? Uh, so I, 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 there's a sort of like the good guys win, but there's, there there's no prize. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you, you wonder, you wonder what, how much can grow. I mean, I guess I, I I focused on the phrase, which you're right, Tom, because the there's the great, which I, I think it's a, such a great phrase at the end of the film when he's with the mother and he says, we are alone, which is always such an odd thing because you mm -hmm. could say, I am alone, there's but two, we yeah. are alone yeah. is always a weird phrase. It's almost self-contradictory. So the fact that he's literally saying we are alone with his you know mother on the beach, there's there's an element of that that's hopeful in the sense that it's we, but there's mm -hmm. also an element that's very sort of like, that was any of this worth this because we are alone we've lost everything mm -hmm. and, I, and i think it's a testament to how well the film works that it's not going to offer you an easy way out they, they easily could have given you know much easier endings to those things you know they, they they could have shown the the slaves taking over and you know turning it into a new you know uh, mm -hmm. uh, um you know, is it, what is it, what is it in Monty Python? A, a socialist collectivist, you know, owned by oh, you know, like whatever. It's it, a um, anarcho-syndicalist, yeah, anarcho-syndicalist commune. Yeah, yeah, they they easily they easily could have gone that route, but they don't. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's not by a simple vote of three two thirds mm -hmm. majority. Two thirds majority. <laughs> <laughs> I am the king. <laughs> no ladies giving out swords. <laughs> but they could have given this a, is given this easily. They could have given this a positive sort mm. of outcome. And, and again, I don't know the original fairy tale story, but there, there is a very, uh, given how other changes he made, he easily could have turned this into a very positive yeah. thing. And he doesn't. Like he's, they, they are going to repeatedly cut the rope out from under you. And the book is, uh, in the book, how it ends, um, well, there's a few, there's one edition where it's like they bury Sancho and then have his son saw his head off slowly, um, which are, that should have been in the movie. But in the, the children's book, it's not in the children's book. In the children's book, what happens is Sancho remains in his post and he just pays everyone. And it turns out paying them actually makes them more productive. And so the, the plantation ends up doing better. And so it becomes a kind of, this is how you do good management that ends up being kind of the, the the ending message so it's much more positive albeit a little creepy um you know so like yeah these kind of changes i think they make the movie uncomfortable it doesn't end easily for us um and yeah it's wildly uncomfortably <laughs> yeah i was i was wildly uncomfortable at the end of that movie yeah 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 so one other thing i wanted to mention is there's things in this movie that i have seen in video games that i did not relate back to this movie and i think the intended audience of the video games would have so in a game called muramasa the demon blade we are traversing japan and there is a few spots where there's these two boatmen and you could get in the boat to quickly get from one side of japan to the other and when i was playing i was like oh it's just boatmen like i just hop in a boat but the way it's uh, framed and everything in the game i think a japanese player would have hesitated if they had known this fairy tale and this mm -hmm because, of, oh, maybe there's danger here. Did the bandits uh, do anything to you in the video game? You know, I never took the boat because it cost like Because 15. you were afraid. I was afraid. <laughs> I was subconsciously, <laughs> I knew. Um, mm. Another one, in Dragon Quest V, the game starts, you're with your dad, you're adventuring, and then you get enslaved and your dad gets uh, killed. So again, I think that would have meant more if this movie or this tale had been in my head. Um, and then finally, we've all played Zelda, right? Everybody, I don't know, Pat, if you're a Zelda yes. guy, but yeah, yeah, I know, I know them. But in Zelda, we break the signs all the time. <laughs> I wonder if that was influenced from these, like the signs breaking in this movie were exactly Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? That was a, a um, the Super Nintendo one. Oh, yeah, no, that's a yeah, link to the past. I totally, yeah, link to the past yeah. has that. And I, it, which one is it? Well, in, um, 
season or the Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Time, you get a ring if you break a certain number of signs. Mm, nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's all I had, just a fun. <laughs> now I suddenly actually that whole sequence of breaking signs makes more sense. Now it's yeah. like, oh, that's what was going on with those. <laughs> it was an ascend. It was a descendant of Link or an ascendant of Link. They, they were getting little rings for their sign breaking. <laughs> I hope there's twelve more. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to once again congratulate our winner of the week, KJ, taking it to the videotape Woo. in order to secure yep. this victory, overturning mm. the call on the field. Mm. Ooh. No. <laughs> and oh, just to be fair, everybody, Pat won. In the first four questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We can't. This is this is not this is not how it works. It's like, it's like said the play it forward. So you, you know, to, yeah, so... we play it forward. Yeah, yeah we keep going. Yeah. We keep going. Yeah. Co-champions will watch the sequel and have a <laughs> a rematch. <laughs> Co-champions here, but in the record books, KJ mm. champion. <laughs> you can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts on our YouTube channel, Twitter at Talking Studios and our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com. We're extremely grateful to all those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. Do you think Sushio made the right decision as governor? Why or why not? Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. Thanks again, Pat, for joining us today. Thank you for having me again, guys. You can find me on Twitter at thomaslayman 15 and our B-side is back. Uh, KJ and I recorded a B-side. I don't exactly know when it's going to be out. Um, probably pretty close to this episode, one would hope. But it's on um, what makes something a canon? What establishes a canon? So if you, if you want an answer to that question, you'll probably have to do some research. I don't know if we come to a conclusion, but it's an interesting conversation nonetheless. You can find me on Twitter at KJ1000. I can also be found on Twitter at The Nicknamed. Join us next time when we continue our discussion about movies that defined directors when we discuss my recommendation from 1994, Clerks. Stay tuned for our first impressions of this film. Ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing Clerks. Tom, how was your watch? I saw Clerks actually in the 90s, which is the ideal decade to see Clerks. If you have to see Clerks in one decade, I would say see it in the 1990s. And I was in the eighth grade when I saw it. And I think I recommended it to you, Nick, if I remember. We correctly. watched it at your house and that's going to be my oh. first impression. So okay, okay. I, I, I won't spoil that then. And I don't I probably don't remember it as clearly as you. I will say in rewatch, whatever my first impression was, I think I loved it just because of the grittiness of it and the fact that as a New Jersey resident or a former New Jersey resident, one of ours had managed to, with almost nothing, make a movie that, that captured the attention of the country as well as I think kind of a sort of zeitgeist at the time. In rewatching it, I was less impressed with it, obviously. However, I have to say the gumption to make the movie as well as like the spirit of the time, right? There is this like really kind of grunge, post-grunge 90s attitude that the movie really does capture well. Um, I recognize people in this movie from my own life. I have felt like I was in the state of, of Dante several times unfortunately um and so i think that the joy of this movie isn't in the writing or the acting the acting is actually pretty lousy but in the in how much of this movie i was able to recognize in myself as well as the kind of balls out get it done attitude of kevin smith how about you nick well as i started to say i vividly remember my first watch of this because you brought it to my attention. We definitely watched this on VHS at your house. And I was going to say it had to be middle school. So we were at the ideal time frame and very influential and, and feeling the angst of life uh, as we are maturing. And this was the first film that I realized not everything is in like a movie theater and polished. I really didn't know much about independent films or anything like that. Now, I won't call this technically an artsy film, but it does have a different feel to it. 
And one of the things I also wanted to explore when we go over this next week, especially since our guests are not New Jersey natives, was this just a New Jersey thing? Like, did we, and then when I found out in life that it was more part of the zeitgeist, I was actually kind of surprised. I thought this was just like a little something we had, but it turned out to be so much bigger. My rewatch was interesting because I had no clue how I would feel about this film at this stage of my life. Many things have changed. And I don't think I necessarily connected as much as when I first watched it, but it was nice to go back down memory lane and I'll save the rest for the episode. Yeah, what what is um shinobi? Uh, shinobue is the flute. Shinobue. the high pitched flute. Oh, that the, the irritated me the whole movie. Yeah, it's actually that's really interesting. Uh, Do you know where that comes from? No. Oh, okay. It comes from Gagaku court music of the ninth uh, century, and it's, it's obviously <laughs> KJ. Well, I well, thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's. Oh yeah, it's it's actually um, traditional court music from that time period, and the the guy who wrote the music, whose name I forgot, but you know that's fine. Um, he also worked on Seven Samurai. He he ended up being a collaborator with Kurosawa. Uh, um, Hayasaka, Hayasaka. Uh, he is combining that court music from the time period with like Western stuff. So it's always the movie is always those two things clashing in the soundtrack. But definitely anyway, clashing yep absolutely yeah. 